0: Hello? everyone my name is Haley elizabeth and if you don't know who i am this is my true crime podcast where once a week i sit down and i talk about all things true crime ranging from murders disappearances cults all the way to the biggest drug bust in history the biggest bank heist in history all things true crime so if you're interested in any of that you can subscribe to the youtube channel every wednesday for the visual version or you could head over to spotify apple wherever you can find podcasts every tuesday for the audio version now for today's case we are going to be talking about the case of Linda Collins Smith. Now, there is a lot to get through, so we're just gonna hop right into it. In Pocahontas, northern Arkansas, home to about 7,000 people, was a very homely and suburban town. It was the type of town that lived up in the mountains, and so it always had the best sunrises and the best sunsets. And on June 4th, 2019, two men were walking up to the home of 57-year-old Linda Collins Smith. And the reason why these two Two men were walking up to Linda's home was because neither of them had heard from Linda for the past 2 days and they were getting a little fearful of what had happened to her. She wasn't responding to any of her calls, any of her text messages, neither even her emails. So when they walked up to the property, they noticed that it was a little odd to see her truck outside of the house. So that does mean she is home, which made things a lot more scarier. The men walk up to the front door but the door was locked. And so they go around to all of the windows to which all of those are locked as well, but then they realize that the back door was unlocked. The men walk inside and it's dead quiet and the house is quite a mess right now mostly because Linda was having some stuff done to her house so there was a bunch of tarp and paint cans all over the place but they look all around the home in every single bedroom and they cannot find Linda. The men walk in the kitchen and they discover on the floor it seems to be a red stain sort of in a splatter pattern. The two men are extremely anxious at this point, so they decide to go outside and call the police, but when they go out in the front yard, they're confronted with a terrible smell. They follow the scent and they realize that it's coming from a tarp that's covering some construction equipment right outside of the garage door, but when these two men would lift up the tarp, underneath was a woman's body. Linda ferdeline Collins was born on April 17th, 1962 in Pocahontas, Johannes, Randolph County in Arkansas, United States. She was born to her father, Benny, and her mom, Caroline. As a kid, her and her family dealt with a lot of financial struggles, and she had to start working at a very young age in order to help out with her family. But ever since Linda was a kid, she was described as very expressive, She was the type of girl that would not let anyone walk all over her. She was definitely going to stick up for herself and even for her friends as well. Like If someone was making fun of them or said something to them, she was always the girl to stick up for them. And this actually worked out in her favor as she became into a teenager because in her high school, she was a part of her school's debate team and then after high school, she went to college in hopes of being something in the political field and even while while she was going to college and for a couple years as a side job after college she became a real estate agent like she got her real estate license just so that she would be able to have a good paying job while trying to achieve her dreams to get into the political field and then later into her adulthood is when she would meet her future husband phil phil and her would go on to date and then later on get married have their own house and have two kids a boy and a girl and with linda's go-getter personality and her way of talking to people she was able to move her way up in the political ladder all the way to become a part of Arkansas's House of Representatives, she became Arkansas State Representative and even Arkansas State Senator as part of the House of Representatives. A lot of people were very fond of her because she was so vocal about whatever she believed in and whatever she was passionate about. They even gave her the nickname The Linebacker because of the way that she just really threw herself into whatever she was doing. If you guys don't know, Arkansas tends to be a very pro-gun place. There's a lot of hunting that goes on over there and Linda herself was very much pro-gun. She was a lifetime member at the National Rifle Association and she was even a member of multiple organizations such as Gun Owners of America, Arkansas Hospitality Association, National Federation of Independent Business, Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, Rotary Club, and Arkansas's Federation of Republican Women. And so she was a very headstrong woman and this is actually what helped her move up the career ladder. And then at the peak of her career when she was swamped with all of this work, that's when she decided to hire a personal Assistant, And that's when she would meet her future personal assistant slash best friend, Becky O'Donnell. Becky O'Donnell was from Arkansas and she was a big fan of Linda and all of her practices. She believed in everything that Linda believed in and the two of them actually later became best friends. And even throughout the rest of Linda's career in politics, Becky and her became even closer. These two were practically inseparable. They did everything everything together they went on vacations together they'd go shopping together they were just said to be two peas in a pod and it was perfect because you know working with your best friend is like a dream and Linda even said that every day it didn't even feel like she was really going to work it just kind of felt like she was hanging out with her friend and there was work involved but unfortunately in 2019 after a lot of very controversial views and Republican views She had lost her position at the Arkansas House of Representatives. And when she lost her job, her husband and her were actually currently going through a divorce after 22 years of marriage. And so, although Linda had lost her position in Arkansas, as I said, Linda was a go getter. And if she wanted something, she would go for it. And so, she ended up getting in contact with a couple people and found that there was a job opening all the way out in Washington, D.C., so she flew all the way out there for an interview. But then after her interview, when Linda came back home to Pocahontas, she was never heard from again. For the past day, Linda's father and Linda's son were both trying to get in contact with Linda. And then after two days with no responses from Linda, that's when the two of them decide to head over to Linda's house to see if they could meet her in person. So they perform their own wellness check and they go up to the home that's when linda's son and her father go to the back door when the back door is unlocked They look around so they go out front to call the police and that's when they discover Linda's body lying underneath the construction tarp. She was laying face down and wrapped in a blanket. When the police were called, they looked around and as they looked into the home thinking that maybe someone broke in, they weirdly found no signs of a forced entry. So that means whoever had done this was someone that was close enough to Linda to have easy access into the home. But weirdly, all Although there was no signs of a forced entry, as the police started to look at the red stain inside of the living room, as I was talking about earlier, they noticed that this red stain had been cleaned up a little bit because as they started to smell it, they did smell traces of bleach as if someone was trying to clean this up. But thankfully, Linda actually had security cameras set up all around her home, so the police confiscated all of these security cameras to see who was the last person in the household. The police take the footage back to the station, and as they're searching through, they find out that the last person inside the household was Becky. Becky actually picked Linda up from the airport on May 27th and dropped back and dropped Linda off at her house. In the security footage from outside the front house, you can see Becky is pulling up in her car and she gets out of the car with Linda, helps her with her bags inside of the home, and the two girls go inside of the home. And in the security footage, you can see the girls acting normally. They're laughing, having normal conversation. Because as I said, these two girls were best friends, so it's assumed that maybe Becky just missed Linda. And so they did interview, but Becky said that once she left the house, she doesn't know what happened afterwards, and she doesn't know what happened to Linda, but she does mention that she's always had a weird feeling about Phil. Now, the police had done multiple interviews with multiple people, and when all of them were asked about Phil, all of them said that Linda was extremely scared of Phil. Phil, and that's why they were getting a divorce. Becky would even go on to say that Phil had hit Linda multiple times. When the police had asked her son, Do you think your mother was scared of your father? And without hesitation, he just said, Yes, yes, I do know that. Like I know that my mom is terrified of my dad. And so this was a v- apparently commonly known thing that Linda was very scared of Phil and very scared of what he would do and what boundaries he would push. Becky would even go on to say that Linda had told her that Phil began hitting her after Linda had told their boss that she caught Phil jerking off in the back of a courtroom because Phil was a judge and Phil actually confessed to this and nearly got fired for it. Why he didn't just get straight up fired for it, I'm not sure. But apparently Linda one day went into a courtroom, saw him doing that, told her boss and then after that Phil and Linda went home. Home, and Phil ended up hitting her because he nearly lost his job but when Phil was asked about all of this from investigators about like him and his wife's relationship was it ever physical abuse or mental abuse and Phil denied all of these claims he says he's never laid a finger on Linda and he's never yelled at Linda and Becky would even go on to tell the police that the reason why Linda had cameras all over her house inside and outside was because of Phil the footage on the cameras went all the way back until the first day that she got them and so on the first day that she got the cameras you can see that Becky is helping her install the cameras. Becky would go on to say that the reason Linda did this was because during their divorce Phil had actually broke into Linda's house when she wasn't at work and stole a bunch of her things and ever since then she had been really scared to sleep alone in there and so she set up security cameras all around inside and outside her house and the footage would reveal that on may 28th becky did indeed pick up linda from the airport and drop her off at home and then in the security cameras we physically see becky leaving the home but what was weird about this specific footage on the day of linda's murder is that during the murder All of the cameras were randomly faced upwards so you couldn't see anything. But around the time that Becky left the household is around the time where you start to hear blood curling screams coming from inside of the house and there was a couple cameras inside of the house that weren't flipped upwards. I'm assuming that whoever did this completely forgot about those hidden cameras and I think this person remembered that because later on that night through these cameras you see a person walk into the house with a sheet over their head as if they are purposely trying to hide themselves from the cameras and so this person Is basically walking around the house. They don't take anything, they don't steal anything, they simply just walk around and then leave. Don't worry, it's still me just thanking the sponsor of today's video, stamps.com. Personally, with the holidays coming around, I always forget to add major things to my Christmas list that I actually need. I just suck at giving people suggestions on what to give me. I never know what to ask from people as far as gifts go, but one thing I wish I would have asked for last year is a new office chair. I literally think my office chair is going to give out on me any second now, so that's one thing that I really wish I would have added to my wish list last year. And speaking of wish lists, there's one thing on your Christmas wish list that you do not want to forget, and that is Stamps.com. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours save time and money during the holiday rush for 25 years with easy access to USPS and UPS services and premium rates for all of your postage needs. The holidays are hard enough. things easier than ever with Stamps.com. Stamps.com is your own personal post office wherever you are. All you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so that you'll have everything you need to get started. Now taking care of orders on the go is even easier with the Stamps.com mobile app. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects you with every major marketplace and shopping cart. They even have premium discounts and all at your fingertips, so if you're running low, you can order shipping and mailing supplies, labels, and even printers from the supply store. You can get huge carrier discounts, such as up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line plus stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options for 25 years stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right now from your computer anytime day or night no lines no traffic no waiting give your business the gift of stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered this holiday season sign up with promo code behind for a special offer that includes a 4 week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code behind thank you once again to stamps.com for sponsoring today's episode now back into your episode so the police are literally staring at the security footage for hours and hours trying to see if they can catch anything at all and all of a sudden they do they find that on one of the security cameras they see Becky when she drops off Linda from the airport inside of the house, as soon as she walks past one of the security cameras, she immediately flips it upwards. And she does that to multiple of the cameras. So it's a little odd why she would purposely not want the security cameras on. But Becky did forget one specific security camera because there was one security camera where she went to go flip it upwards at the same time that Linda was turning around to talk to her. So instead of flipping it upwards, she Just grabbed the camera and laid it down on the couch. And so when Becky left the household, she returned back inside of the household, but then forgot that she had left the security camera on the couch. And on this camera, you see Becky coming into the room with a bloody knife and bloody arms while putting the bloody knife into her purse and then frantically leaving. And you see this scene only 15 minutes after you hear the blood curling screams coming from Linda. That same day, Be- Becky... Becky was arrested, ironically, on her way to a church vigil for Linda. Now, when Becky was brought into questioning, even though they literally got her with bloody arms and bloody knives, putting a murder weapon into her purse, she still tries to deny it. She says that that wasn't Linda's blood, that was a chicken's blood. Because her and Linda were cooking chicken cutlets and they were getting the chicken's blood all over them, and the knife also had blood on it. Then the interrogators are like, okay, if that was chicken's blood and you were really making a chicken, why did you put the knife in your purse? And Becky's explanation is she says that her and Linda hadn't finished the chicken cutlets yet, but Linda needed to do something, so Becky needed to leave. So then she just put the knife in her purse so that she could finish the chicken cutlets when she went home, which literally made no sense because she brought the knife home but not the chicken cutlets they were making and then this part is actually insane When the police show her the actual living room footage of her with blood on her arms, Becky tells the police that that's not blood, that's CGI. You guys are setting me up and she literally believes that they are out to get her and this is not real blood on her arm, this is all just CGI and editing to make her look bad and try to convict her of a crime she didn't do. then when the police had asked Becky okay well let's say that you did do the chicken cutlet thing why did you move the security cameras? Why were you flipping all of the security cameras in the house upwards? And Becky goes on to say that she did that because Linda told her to. Linda had apparently told Becky that all of the security cameras in her house were glitching and she needed to fix them and so Linda told Becky to help with the glitch she should just turn off all of the security cameras, but instead of turning off the security cameras, she just flipped them up. Upwards. Obviously, it's a fake story because I don't even know how any of what she says makes sense. And so the police arrest Becky and they try to look for a little bit more information as to a motive or some sort of something to convict Becky with. And what they find is that Becky was not just Linda's personal assistant, Becky was also Linda's driver and her publicist. And she also had access to all of Linda's financials. And apparently, The police found out that Becky had been forging Linda's signatures on her checks and stealing money from Linda for years. Becky would literally just steal one of Linda's checks and then try to copy Linda's signature compared to like other documents that she signed and then turn that money into the bank. But I don't know if you guys know, but sometimes on some checks you're able to write whether it comes out of your checkings or your savings. Becky would always take the money out of Linda's savings account in hopes that Linda would never notice because it's her savings account and she's not checking it as often as her checking account. And apparently Becky had gotten away with doing this for years until eventually Linda found Linda had actually found out about this because while her and Phil were going through their divorce they were trying to figure out how to split up their financials and so Linda was looking into her savings account and then that's when she realized there were thousands and thousands of dollars being removed from this account and then after calling the bank that's when she finds out that it was actually Becky who was turning in these checks and taking the money out of her savings account. So it's suspected that Linda probably confronted Becky one day about her stealing money for years and she was going to fire Becky because of all of this disrespect, this distrust. Linda viewed Becky as her best friend, her ride or die, the girl that she would go through thick and thin with. And they did everything together. They shopped together, went on vacations, made memories. And even through Linda's divorce, Becky was usually the shoulder that Linda would constantly cry on. And so the fact to see that someone so close to you had been betraying you for years or using you purely for money, that broke Linda's heart. And so, So it's assumed that Linda had confronted Becky about all of this and planned on firing her because of this. And it's assumed that around this time is when Becky had decided to kill Linda. The court saw this definitely as a premeditated crime because as I said before, Becky had dropped off Linda from the airport and they were both at her house, Becky began flipping all of the security cameras in order to prepare for something that she was about to do. And Becky was actually arrested multiple times for theft in the past and even arrested for trying to hire a hitman on her ex-husband. But when Becky was actually questioned about this hitman thing, about her husband, her excuse was that she was just drunk. She basically just said it so casually, like, oh, I was drunk one night and my husband was really making me mad, so I tried to find a hitman, but the next morning I came to my senses and I was fine. Acting as if that's like hella normal, like that is not normal. Becky was arrested for the murder. Murder of Linda, but claimed innocence and preached that they had the wrong person. But while Becky was in prison, ironically, she was actually actively trying to hire a hitman. Becky was trying to make as many friends as she could because she was actively trying to hire a hitman in order to kill a list of people. She wanted someone to kill Phil and make it look like a suicide. And in his suicide note, it would say that he killed Linda and he couldn't live with himself and all of the guilt. To basically just blame it all on phil and not herself because she knows that she did it she also wanted to hire a hitman to kill the by dramatically a car explosion because she said that all of the records and all of the evidence that the prosecutor is handling all of his paperwork his laptop it would most likely be in the car with him and so she would hire a man to create a car explosion and so within the car not only the prosecutor would die but all of the Evidence that they had against Becky would die with him. She was also looking for someone who was super tech savvy and could put a virus on the county jail and to the police's systems to delete all the evidence that they had on her. Which is actually crazy to think that Becky doesn't think that the police have like backup hard drives and the hardest of technology to hack into. They're literally the police. And so these inmates that she was talking to did not say yes to her offer but instead just snitched on her because sometimes in prison if you have some dirt on another inmate you can sometimes tell an officer to may or may not get an exchange of something good in your favor so I'm assuming these inmates told the security guards so that they could get something in return and I still don't even understand how Becky didn't know they were gonna do that and so after Becky did this it just made her look 10 times more guilty and it was brought up at her trial in the end becky decided to plead guilty to first degree murder in order to avoid the death penalty and she was also charged with two counts of solicitation of murder and she was sentenced to 50 years and yeah that is the end of today's case if you guys found this case interesting make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you are on youtube or if you are on spotify apple wherever you can find podcasts make sure to rate it five stars because that really helps me out a lot And yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure to be safe out there. Go outside today, get some fresh air, drink some water, and stay hydrated. And yeah, that's all from me. And as always, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I will see you guys next week.